Shalom. Greetings. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today we're looking to start our week with some wisdom and some encouragement from the Psalms and from the Proverbs. We're looking at Psalm 81 today and Proverbs 9. Psalm 81 is a short psalm. Uh, We're only looking at 16 verses here, but there's a thought here that we're going to look at further, which is going to require us to look at uh, the book of Romans and 2 Thessalonians. A concept here that uh, is not really discussed uh, much in modern day Christianity. We're in a... uh, in modern churches from what I've been able to observe because it's kind of like it's one of those things in the Bible where there's like God responding because of a lack of obedience and we're living in a world today at least here in the western world where Christianity likes to think that actions have no repercussions that there's no consequences spiritually to uh to behavior. We're living in a, a, an age when Christians think that, um, well, that there's no conditions. And uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. With that backdrop, let's dig in. I'm going to read Psalm 81 to you. I'm going to read it from the Hallelujah Scriptures this morning. So let's begin, and then we'll dig into this thought. Psalm 81, verse 1. Shout for joy to Elohim, our strength. Raise a shout to the Elohim of Yaakov, that is to say Jacob. Lift up a song and beat the tambourine, the pleasant lyre, and with the harp. Blow the ram's horn at the time of the new moon at the covering on our festival day. Please note that does seem sound like an allusion to the Feast of Trumpets there. Verse 4. For this is the law of Yisrael, and a right ruling of the Elohim of Yaakov. He appointed in Yasophus, and Yaasef, that is to say Joseph, for a witness. When he went through the land of Mitzrayim, that is to say Egypt, I heard a language that I did not know. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from the basket. You called in distress, and I rescued you. I answered you in the covering of thunder. I proved you in the waters of Mirabah. Selah. Hear, O my people. And let me warn you, O Yisrael, if you would listen to me. Let there be no strange mighty one among you, and do not bow down to a foreign mighty one. I am Jehovah, your Elohim, who brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But... My people did not listen to my voice, and Yisrael would not submit to me. 
so I gave them over to their own stubborn heart. To walk in their own counsels, oh, if my people had listened to me. Yisrael would walk in my ways, and I would subdue their enemies at once, and turn my hand against their adversaries. Those who hate Jehovah would cringe before him, and their time be forever. He would feed them with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. And that, my friends, is Psalm 81. The part I want to focus on is God is saying, I tried to get you to walk in my ways, right? But you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen to me. He says, but my people would not listen to my voice and Yisrael would not submit to me. So, so as a result of their disobedience, I gave them over to their own stubborn hearts to walk in their own counsel. And that's the theme I want to talk about this morning. That is in the Bible. And it's something that's been jumping out to me more and more and more. And that is this idea that disob- if you, there comes a point when God gets so fed up with disobedience, God gets so fed up with people not wanting to retain the, his, the knowledge of God and walking in His ways in their minds anymore. And so He says, fine, have it your way. And he gives them over to the lust of their hearts and gives them over to their evil desires. Delivers them into their own sin. But my people did not listen to my voice and Yisrael would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Oh, if my people had listened to me, Yisrael would walk in my ways and I would subdue. So he's saying, if, if you would have listened, if you would have walked in my ways, this is what I would have done. So you wouldn't do it, so I gave you over to the wickedness. But on the flip side, if you had listened to me, I would have subdued your enemies at once. I would have turned my hand against their adversaries. Those who hate Jehovah would have cringed before him and their time be forever. He would feed them with the finest of wheat, and with honey from a rock I would have satisfied you. But you chose otherwise. Now, this is not an Old Testament concept. I mean, this, I mean, this clearly is, but it's not only that. The Apostle Paul speaks of this reality more than once. We're going to look at two of them here. So let's start with Romans 1, verses 19 through 32. We're not going to dig into all the theological stuff. I've just recently finished a study in Romans not too long ago, so you can go to the archives. There's a whole study on the book of Romans that we really spent a lot of time with. Um, you can find that on the YouTube channel. So let's go to Romans 1, 19, 32. He says this, starting with verse 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him, excuse me, the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. 
Paul's saying all you have to do is look at creation and you can clearly see there there has to be a God. Right? Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory for an uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. In other words, they started worshiping the creation. Wherefore, God also gave them up. There's that word again. There's that phrase again. Because they gave up God and exchanged it for foolishness. Verse 24, Therefore, wherefore, God gave them up to uncleanliness. And here's the specific uncleanliness that he gave them up to. Through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who blessed him forever. For this cause, because of their behavior, God gave them up, there it is again, unto vile affections. Listen, here's the specific sin that he gave them up to. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of a woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their own error, which was meat. Again, here we go. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, here's the third time Paul saying this, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do the things which are not convenient. You see, the one restraining you from being just a complete filthy monster is the Spirit of God, right? Because sin is there. Sin is always at the door. It is God, when we come to faith in Christ and we receive the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit restrains us. When you resist that temptation, when you keep your mouth closed when you really want to run it. Like, that's the Holy Spirit helping you. So what happens when we refuse to retain God in our knowledge, when we decide uh, we don't want God's way, we want our way, when we go, you know what, I think I'm going to worship the tree instead of the one who created the tree, God gives you over. He removes restraint. As they did not really like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Here's the things, and a lot of them have to do with sexuality. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication. That's sex outside of marriage. Wickedness, covetousness, maliceness, fullness of envy, murder, debate, deceit. Malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implausible, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, this is the this is the bad part. They know the judgment of God, right? Who knowing the judgment of God, and what do they know? Here's the next. So he gives them over to these things, but these people know the judgment of God. 
and here's what they know about the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them to do that, in them that do them. In other words, it's not just those who do the acts. The same judgment is due to those who have take pleasure in them that do the acts. I don't participate in this stuff. I just watch it on TV. We're well, taking pleasure in them that are doing the thing. All right. My point here is not to teach Romans. We got a whole teaching on Romans. The point is to demonstrate that God gives us over when we dis- when we choose to just walk and do our own thing. Here's another example. Second Thessalonians. Again, this is going to be about the wicked one. Uh, we're not going to talk about eschatology right now. We just want to look at this concept. So we'll go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12 verses, which deal with eschatology, but that's not what we're focusing on this morning. Verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letters from us as that as that day that the day of Christ is at hand. We do need to set the context. The Thessalonians were worried that the day of Christ had already come, already came. Maybe they missed being gathered. Those kind of things. And Paul's saying, no, 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 that hasn't happened. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. This is talking about an apostasy, falling away from the faith. And that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he... As God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And the wicked shall... Sorry, I lost my place here. Uh, he'll be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause. What? For what cause? Because they received not the love of the truth. Okay, so this is saying they, they wouldn't accept the gospel. For this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion. Because they wouldn't accept the things of God, now God's going to send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they might all be damned to believe not the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks to you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because he hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to obtaining the glory of God 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or epistle. Now the Lord Jesus Christ himself, even our Father, which have loved us, and that given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work and work. So God will send strong delusions. He will give us over to wickedness when we refuse to retain him in our knowledge, when we refuse to walk in his ways, when we say, I'd rather have that pleasure over there than the things of God. God says, fine, have it your way. Listen, I think that what we're seeing in our culture today is this right here. We are witnessing a culture that refused to retain God in their knowledge, who at one time had God in their knowledge as a whole society, but said, you know what, we don't want this anymore. And we've our culture has literally been given over to all those things that Paul mentioned. Our culture has been given up to vile affections, women changing the natural use for what is not natural, men leaving the natural use of a woman, burning in their lust towards one another. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate minds, to be filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness. They're backbiters, they're haters of God, they're proud. They've been given over to these things as a culture. And one of my greatest, by the way, we're not going to get to Proverbs 9 today, we're getting ready to wrap up here. But one of my greatest frustrations that I've uh, dealt with as uh, over the years doing what I'm doing here at the podcast and just talking to friends and family members, the greatest frustration that I've had is how easily people believe lies. How easily they're... People that you would think of as as decently intelligent human beings, they watch the black screen of death and the talking heads tell them things and they they just believe lies. Well, it's coming out of the TV. <laughs> it's it, it's incredible what people believe. De- they're delusional about things. And we've really seen the reality of that over the last two to three years, haven't we? I mean, people, gullible. The, mo- the most gullible generation, I think, to ever exist. And I can't help but wonder, is it because God has sent strong delusions? Because of our unfaithfulness to Him? I pray that there's a revival. Not just a revival of belief, but people who actually act on their beliefs. Imagine a Christian faith that actually obeys the Bible. That's what I'd like to see. I've not seen that in my generation. I've seen hypocrisy at the greatest levels, 
but I've not seen an actual body of Christ to collectively or as a majority think that you should obey God or prioritize obedience. And then they wonder why they're given over to all these things, all these struggles, and why their faith is crumbling and why at every turn they're being drawn away from God. Well, you look at what you're participating in. Look at look what you're bringing before yourself every day. You can't go wallow around in the mud and dirt with the pigs and then go, I, I don't know why I'm dirty. I don't know why I'm covered in dirt. <laughs> well, Grace. <laughs> oh. Anyway, I'm just rambling. You guys get my point, especially if you've read any of my books. Uh, you, you know where I'm coming from on this. All right. Hey, we got to close this up. Thanks for listening this morning. I pray that you've been blessed and strengthened and uh, that you've been given something to think about. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers that are much needed. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.